Hello and welcome to the Music Works podcast. I'm Katie Manassa, Director and Founder of Polyphony Arts and today we're talking to Kate Lowes, Head of Programming at Brighter Sound. The charity Brighter Sound is based in the north of England and has been operating for over 20 years with the stated mission of developing the music creators, leaders and industry professionals of the future. Kate, who has just completed her PhD in Gender Equality in Music, will be talking about how her work covers artistic and career development to building communities and personal confidence, but more recently with a particular focus on supporting those who are historically and currently underrepresented, including marginalised and underrepresented genders. Women and people from marginalised genders are hugely underrepresented across the music industry, particularly in leadership roles but we'll hear how Brighter Sound has taken the work and the research they've been carrying out to offer a new programme, Both Sides Now Leadership Development. As part of this, we'll also hear Kate talk about how they built their manifesto for gender equality, which they launched on International Women's Day this year as part of their work, reimagining and challenging what leadership can look like. And stay tuned to find out about how this led to the launch of a dedicated record label, Both Sides Records. So let's go over to the Music Works studio where Kate Lowe's of Brighter Sound is waiting to speak to us. Uh, Kate, hello, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Katie, it's a pleasure, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, so today we're talking to you, Kate Lowe's, Head of Programming at Brighter Sound. Um, it's a real pleasure to have you here, will you please tell us about, about Brighter Sound and, and what it does? Yes, certainly. Um, so Brighter Sound is a music charity. We're in our 22nd year um, and our work is really about supporting um, the artists and industry professionals uh, around the north of England. Um, we run a, pro a range of programmes for children and young people, um, include outreach work and then more um, supported progression activities, music workshops, um, and development uh, projects. And then we have a strand of work around artist development. So that's a mixture of uh, creative support and then more structured support. So we run a mentoring program, networks. Um, we run artistic residencies with commission artists uh, and we run a leadership program as well. Um, across all our work, we have a big focus on gender equality uh, and for the last sort of Four and a half years we've been running an initiative called Both Sides Now uh, across the north which is particularly targeted at supporting women and people of marginalised genders um, and so the leadership programme is connected to that as well uh, where we run a range of um, leadership development opportunities for people at different stages in their leadership journey so ranging from business startup to um, leaders retreats, to um, work placements, and uh, we run a record label as well um, in the style of a social enterprise that has training opportunities. So it's run by a group of young women um, who are just getting that off the ground at the moment. Oh, how fantastic. What an amazing range of, of activity. That sounds brilliant. How do people, I'm sure there's a question that will be on people's minds, how do you, how do you benefit from these things? Do you have like, an, you know, various application programmes or, you know, how does it work to get involved? Yeah, so um, we, some of our activities just, it's all free to attend and some of it is open access so people can just come along and try things out. And then 
other projects where sadly we might be limited on numbers there's an application process yeah. but we try and we're working on making that as accessible as possible <laughs> fantastic um i mean so much to talk about in this shall we just start actually as well before um by talking about you yourself as well so i understand that you have a phd in gender equality in music congratulations yes. Oh, we just finished it. Um, oh, about bigger congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah, so my background's in music and um, I studied music for my first degree and I have a love of it, but I think performance was never for me, really. So I've enjoyed working in more sort of behind the scenes and um, roles that are supporting um, those people who are destined for performance. Um, so yeah, my background's musician, my first degree's music, and then I did a um, master's in arts management and cultural policy, and then just finished the PhD now, which I've just been doing both of those part-time whilst working. I think I've been at Brighter Sound for 15 years this year, so quite a, <laughs> quite a wow. long time. Yeah, sounds like the ideal kind of co-role there to be uh, to be working on those things and doing a PhD like that so um you know what can I ask you about your PhD what's the headline yeah, <laughs> about but, gender equality in music. there's still a lot that needs to change um <laughs> I suppose is the headline um yeah. and I think because I was fortunate in the way that my PhD was structured it was a practice-based PhD so the both sides now program which is mentioned um has sort of been my uh, um a participatory program but also acted as a a research site for a lot of the um investigation that i've been doing um so what that's really been uh opened up is uh alternative spaces for women and people of marginalized genders making music and how the in that alternative space you can have time to sort of really reflect on what those changes needs to be and what those differences are and um i've been really interested in sort of the the concept of effect in music making and how our experiences are sort of shaped and informed by the sort of historical well effects of the past um mm. the way that that um yeah the way that there are still certain practices and ways that people behave and expectations that are rooted in that sort of historic way of being and knowing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've all got examples of those, haven't we? <laughs> have you Have you got any particular particular favourites in terms of oh, examples no. of those kind of behaviour? Well, it's really, it's, I think, I think there was a lot of opening up in those spaces by artists about the way those experiences have impacted them, um, whether it be around their confidence, um, or whether it be about the way that they feel like that, you know, their feelings of belonging in the music industry, the way that they've been stylized, or the way they feel that they have to sound in order to get on and fit in. Um, uh, one particular story um, from a lady who was on one of our residencies who, who was just sort of coming back into music after a 10 year hiatus and she'd studied um, music sound. Um, sound engineering um, at university and was the only female on a course 
and just had um whenever there was recording to be done rather than being the person recording everyone was always saying oh we go in and we'll record you you go in we we'll record you and so she started doing that at, at first and then they would say oh can you try and sound a little bit more like and then insert another female artist so she just felt that she was constantly not, not good enough you know not not fitting in and ended up leaving and um, finished a course and took 10 years out um and then just sort of came the residency was one of the first things she did to come back in just saying like she was really excited about being in a a different type of music space where she was free to be who she was as an artist so yeah that was a one that's really stuck with me I just yeah. feeling like sort of there was nothing deliberately malicious in anyone's behavior but it was just what that sort of subliminal message was almost that yeah you know. absolutely the disability to sort of shape an experience without yeah. intention but yeah. nonetheless with that level of result yeah yeah gosh well you can see what you do what you do <laughs> <laughs> i will say that going through running that program um we when we first started out doing it we weren't we we began the work when we noticed we had quite low levels of female participation across our program so an average of one in every um but about 25 percent female participation particularly um in our emerging artist work so we started to sort of look into that and what the reasons were um, and just started to test the ground with doing a few all-female um, projects. Um, and um, there was such a huge appetite for it that really the programme has gone from strength to strength, from us sort of initially starting out and being, oh, not sure if this is quite the right thing to do, to really thinking, oh, my goodness, there is such a need for this. Um, and I think particularly for the north of England as well, where there are geographic barriers, um, but yeah, also it's opened up. Um, it's 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 opened up a lot of more sort of food for thought in terms of what needs to change, but what those other intersecting inequalities are as well that are sort of beyond gender. Mm, absolutely, um, and it's, it's, so you mentioned the kind of um, the inequality on the the sort of. Um, start at the early career sides of the program and then so you also have the leadership program as well is that what, what's the relationship there yeah um so the um that is a new area of work for us really we've just been delivering it for the last three years um and really it's come out it's as a direct result of this work and the research that we've been doing um Basically, with um, just a bit of background, um, with yeah. with both sides now, because we wanted to keep it, um, we wanted it to be really relevant, really responsive to need, um, and so we, as we started out with the work, we held a series of um, the called open space events where we basically invited anyone to come and participate in these events. There was no fixed, um, no fixed agenda. People could just bring forward topics that they'd like to discuss and then it sort of moves through a process of self-organization into different discussion groups where people would um raise issues such as such as the what um such as parenthood or 
um, live music or alternative spaces, lots and lots of different themes. And we ran uh, those in Liverpool, Leeds, uh, Manchester, and then finished with a conference in um, up at the Sage in Gateshead. So um, from those um, from those events, basically a lot a lot of rich material emerged, as you'd imagine. And we have um, I do get to the point of leadership no. in a second. No, 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 please. Great to hear about it. <laughs> um, and through that process, we've um, we crowdsourced a manifesto for change. So all the voices that participated, were, there were a number of themes that were just coming up time and time again. Um, so that was education was one of them about supporting more young people um, to sort of see themselves in the industry and how we can look at what the curriculum um, teaches us and how it's taught and. Um, the talent development was another area, um, live music, um, parenthood and caring, um, and then leadership was the final theme in the manifesto, and I can talk a little bit more about those themes later, but basically that came out from those open space events with people saying about, um, you know, the, there's obviously... Um, the statistical aspect of it, so the underrepresentation of women in leadership roles, um, but also sort of the the concept of what leadership looks like, as well as a sort of very male um, is a, is a very male construct. So thinking about how we could open up again sort of alternative spaces for professional development for women working in the industries, various industries of um, of, of music to sort of explore what an authentic idea of leadership might look like for for them and really sort of break down some of those historic um stereotypes and to yeah just to be, again it's that concept of reimagining really how can this what does leadership look like to me and how can i be a leader in a way that is authentic um so yeah, the, the leadership, that's where it came from. <laughs> very exciting. Um, yeah, it, and it was, it was, we were very fortunate because we, just as we were pulling this manifesto together, um, the Arts Council had obviously noticed something very similar in, in the arts sector more broadly. So a fund became available um, through their Transforming Leadership Initiative. Uh, and we were fortunate to be selected um, for funding for that. So it's enabled us to grow a, um, well, test and grow a, a real, what's turning into a really impactful program, um, including the record label, work placements, um, and then the different sort of more focused opportunities for, for that um, testing of leadership and what it looks and feels like authentically. Yeah, wonderful. That's so great. Um, so yeah, there's so much to talk about. Tell me more about the record label, if that's where you want to go next. Yeah, so um, I think it's always, the setting up of the record label was quite a, um, and been an interesting development for us because our work is genuinely, it's about supporting artists to take a bit of time out of that sort of traditional industry sort of hamster wheel, if you will, where you're in this sort of mind frame where you're making, you know, 
you're making this sort of music for this sort of focus and it's about really taking time out to you know to have space and a little bit more creative freedom and new collaborators and try and make something that will you know we're in a space where you're free to take risks whereas if you're trying to get something to market is it's sometimes not not possible um so we've been sort of conscious that a sort of standard record label wouldn't be the right thing for us because we didn't want to have that commercial pressure um on the work that we created but what we have been really keen to do is to recognize and platform all the amazing work that does come out of our projects because there's you know a, a a residency week might generate up to 15 new pieces of music and all really sort of a really high standard and something that wouldn't have existed had these people not been in a room together and um, so what our hope for the record label was um well, I suppose it's twofold really um in part to give a team of young women or people of marginalized genders an opportunity to gain some really hands-on experience in um in the music industry so there, there's a team of three young women working on the label they've all got mentors and they've got a budget and they've been supported to set up this label from scratch um, and so that that's a really lovely aspect of it and then we we were also then starting to release music that comes from out from uh from the different projects as well so our first release has just gone out which is from um a commission uh a both sides now commission international commission with a an artist called laura campbell from um who's a liverpool based artist and an artist called um Mari Sanyo from Finland and they created a fantastic album together with um, support from the artist Lone Lady. She was their guest mentor. So we've got the so we've got the sort of dual aim with the label that we're releasing project material um, and we're also supporting these young women to to develop their skills and just with all as with all our work, really taking an artist artist centered approach. Um, so very you know, fair and easy to read contracts and things like that. Fantastic. You know, the, everything you're talking about, it just sounds so well connected with itself and with the, the, the strands of the project sound incredibly, you know, sensible and well intertwined. Oh, <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> really fantastic to hear, you know, very sort of comprehensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what else then? What else stands out for you about the manifesto? I'm sure it probably all does, but... Yeah, um, well, we've just um, we've just done a launch event for the manifesto uh, on International Women's Day, and I think yeah, I think all the areas stand out in their in their own way. And I think what's felt really important for us is that um, that we don't just look like when you're talking about what needs to change and when change needs to happen, it's not it feels important that it's not just looked at in a silo. And even though we do go into detail in specific areas, the focus is that we're looking at, um, you know, what a, a career or life journey looks like from, you know, right from the start. So thinking about education, thinking about lack of diverse role models that are presented in the, um, in the music curriculum, thinking about the lack of, well, the, again, the lack of diversity in popular music, which is for, for most sort of 
young people, teens and children, it's them most people, you know, start their listening journey with popular music. So thinking about the, I don't know, the way that this underrepresentation or this sort of stereotyping restricts um the you know restricts young people to that restricts their 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 growth or their perception of what is available to them as a career so really we think that there needs to be um more focused activity that brings together young people to um to make music and particularly looking at the old female spaces um we think that really the the that the um curriculum needs looking at i mean the 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 curriculum that we've got in place in this country is very much um is sort of there's a it has been developed to sort of tell particular story from individual perspectives which when you're talking about historical perspectives obviously there's a huge lack of female representation in that narrative um so recognizing the need for greater diversity of role models on the curriculum i did a little bit of analysis of what that looks like on different gcse and a level curriculum and i can't remember the stats off the top of my head but it's not good you know there's yeah. one or two set pieces in different areas that are written by um by a, a woman um, so I think really there's a broadening that needs to happen in terms of what those curriculums look like to make it um, representative and relatable. Yeah. Um, so role models comes up time and time again, uh, as well as a theme in relation to education, um, but also in relation to sort of the next step and talent development and um, Vic Bain's done some really great um, research around sort of the um, statistics of um, of participation at education level, um, and it is generally around a fifty fifty split, if not more highly weighted towards female um, participation um, at degree level, and then you just have this huge drop off where some obviously very talented and highly trained musicians are not transitioning into professional careers. And um, I think the statistic which we tend to draw on is the PRS, um, Performing Rights Society, um, who say that their um, percentage of female membership is 17%. Um, and there are obviously historic factors around what that looks like because there are, you know, there are a number of number of factors uh, as to why that's so low um, but it's really jumped out for me because it's indicative of a point in your career where you think you're going to make enough money from your career and that this is a viable pathway for you um, yeah so so there's something in that area of talent development how we're supporting people to move from education into professional careers that needs some um, you know, it's another important area for reform, um, and um, with with the, our work in particular, looking at the regional aspect of that, um, of their membership, um, the PRS only have two percent um, of their members are women living in the north of England. So there's a really, really? big disparity there. <laughs> 
that is that is a really shocking statistic mm. gosh do you have any insights on the reasons why uh, that gap happens where the education statistics are so much better than the um the professional yeah um well i think it's it's a, a range of things really and i think there's this sort of ties in with the, the sort of historical aspect of the way that the music industry has um music industries i should say really have historically operated um and you know there's a lot that uh, it's reductive to say that it's been a bit of an old boys club but you know that is a factor and the um the sort of senior leadership of most organizations has for a long time now been heavily male dominated um and so i think really that that has that's really shaped the way that people behave what's expected of them you know what the music industry looks and feels like um and it's not been a, a space that's been shaped by women for women and so there are ways of working that are problematic and out of date i think outdated practices where you know women are going into the industry and thinking this isn't for me or they're looking at what it looks like and thinking i don't fit the stereotype therefore there are sort of you know issues with programming practices where women have been seen historically as a um as a as a as a genre as a genre rather yeah, than yeah. you know we've, we've filled, filled our female quota we had a woman on last night we you know and so there's a huge thing there i think <laughs> yeah sorry i it's not funny but there's something about the way you said that that tickled me women in no, the genre no. um, yeah i'm really struck by what you said about it not basically not being a space that's being shaped by women it feels like a really core um, factor in all of this. Um, yeah. The importance of having things shaped by the people that are in them or, or you know, that they impact is still something that I feel is um, less understood than it could be. You know, yeah. there's obviously a lot of work that goes on, like with all of this stuff. Uh, you know there are people doing fantastic work in this area but the there's still not a move into that being the norm i don't think is there no no and i think what we are seeing at the moment is people saying all right well we need to we need to improve therefore we need more women and then we're moving almost towards like a a, a quota based approach to it whereas really a lot of my research i was sort of arguing that just adding women isn't enough we need to think about what we're adding women into and how they have an opportunity to shape what that space looks like yeah absolutely because this came up on um we did an episode with um trans voices a, a few weeks ago and um they articulated really well um i can't remember the language they used it was the difference between the different ways in which you can be in a space so like there's being invited in but they're not respected there's not being invited in at all there's being invited in and genuinely belonging and obviously the, there's like a spectrum between all of those things and um it's that if you're in the space what happens once you're there feels really relevant to where we're at at the moment that being invited in is less of a problem perhaps but then 
the safety and um, kind of happiness of people when they are in those spaces is, uh, you know, still a yeah. work in progress. Absolutely. And I think that from from sort of working on both sides now and having this sort of strong focus on alternative spaces and with that sense of belonging at the heart, it's I think it has really, for, for me, definitely made me realise what a difference it can make for people and um, but also how how we can look at that on a on a on a more granular level as well because gender is obviously a huge area and for a, a lot for our, a lot of our program um coming up over the next sort of 12 months we're looking at how we can sort of support the creation of um alternative spaces for um female artists who identify as deaf disabled and neurodiverse um for artists for trans and non-binary artists particularly um um, for um, women of colour um, and I think that and, and while still having a sort of focus on supporting um, you know different people from marginalised genders but also thinking about who creates those spaces as well because I felt comfortable creating both sides now as a project and um, because it is my lived experience, the um, being a woman from the north of England, but what we're really keen to do is work with sort of project management team to whose lived experience reflects that area, and so we're keeping that safe. Um, so, well, it's a safe space, working practice, really. I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What a fantastic project! It's been so great to hear about it. Um, if, before we wrap up, is there anything else that we've not talked about that you'd like to mention, or any anything you'd like to plug? Um, well, it'd be great just um, if we can um, just let people know that the manifesto is available to read and there's a um, on a website called allthingsequal.co um, so there, there's more detail about the manifesto on that website and also sort of recognising that change needs to happen on multiple levels so there are sort of things we'd like to see and things we'd like people to think about that can, um, you know, that can be enacted on an individual level as well as looking at sort of societal and policy levels as well. So accompanying the manifesto, we've also got an open letter. And so again, we'd love it to get some support behind that and anyone who agrees with what we're talking about, it'd be great to get signatories um, to that letter. Um, can absolutely advocate for that it's a really great piece of work fantastic oh thank you. thank you so much kate for coming and talking to us about this it's been such a pleasure it really has mm. um i'm kind of struggling to get my head around how much we've covered in this episode <laughs> <laughs> um but that is a tribute to the amazing work that um the brighter sounds is doing for women and other minority artists in the north Mm, um, leadership is such an important area to address better representation for those groups going forward so I've been really impressed and gladdened to hear how you pull all the strands the charity covers together under a manifesto that informs so much um, so listeners you can find out more about the work of Brighter Sound and the opportunities it offers for musicians in the north at brightersound.com uh, this is pioneering work and it's been a privilege to be able to hear everything Kate has been achieving for young people women and traditionally underrepresented groups. I'm sure you will agree. Thank you, Kate, and thank you for listening.
Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.